World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. All right. Well, I am. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's our text, John 8, 12. And Matthew 5, 14, he said, you are the light of the world, right? And Pastor James, honest to goodness, it's so easy to say this about you. You are the light of the world. You are. You know, that's true. He, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But he said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. You, we forget that, don't we? Now, we don't originate the light, we, but the light is flowing through us because of who lives in us. And, and Jesus said, let your light shine. He didn't say make it shine, strive to have it shine, be on the soup kitchen, passing out groceries. He said, just let it shine. It should be the most natural, easy thing that you could ever imagine is just letting your light shine. And it's a joy to be here for me to be here having not had any in-present services in New York City for this entire year, none, and because the city has been really shut down, but it's just beginning now. We just heard that in April it's going to open back up. Thank God. Really thankful for that. And so if you're online today, we welcome you, and, and it's a joy to be with you, and it's a joy to be in this place. I'm so thankful. It's time to get back together, isn't it, church? It's just time. It's just time. Daily, one, daily we should be encouraging one another. But Pastor James, you are the light of the world. Pastor Debbie, you are the light of the world. James, Jackson, Jason, you are the light of the world. Bethel Church, you are the light of the world. Man, my goodness, you are a bright shining light. You are a city set on a hill. And honest to goodness, I'm just so proud of you guys and who you are, what you've accomplished from everything from reaching the world to reaching your own city, touching this city from the governor to the mayor to the town council. You guys are, you, the light cannot be stopped. The light is unstoppable. You know, the thing about light is light is so amazing and so fascinating. The very first thing that is ever recorded of what God said in scripture is let there be light. And there was light. There was light. You can't, it's just amazing. You know, it, it, had I woken up in darkness, I'd have said, man, it's dark out there. But God says, no, 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 let there be light. And the light will always penetrate and win over the darkness. Always, always. We are on the winning team, brothers and sisters. We're on the winning side of this. Why? Because of the light of the world that is in us is shining ever so brightly through us. And you can't stop it. Light, the speed of light is so fascinating. Light is a different reality that we cannot even understand. We assume upon it. We presume upon it. We take it for granted. Who's ever really thought about the impact of light? Without light, there is no life. Without light, we can't get anything done. There's no life without it. There, you can't see without light. You can't be healed without light. There's no healing without light. All of these things are reality. Light is at 100 in a vacuum, that is, it's at 186,282.397 miles per second. That's fast. And when God created the universe, I don't know if you see this image right here, but this image is from deep space, from the Hubble telescope that's hanging out there on a satellite somewhere, and it's looking into deep space. And what scientists realized through Albert Einstein's research and studies and mathematics and 
theories and all that is that light is expanding in the universe in every direction when they're looking through a telescope. And I've been in the Harvard Observatory looking at deep space pictures, but here's the amazing thing. It's moving, it's shifting every single direction. Light is going from the moment God said, let there be light. There was a big bang. There was an explosion. Energy came into the world. And then all of a sudden the potentiality of life was there because of this. It's impossible to believe that in the words of, of a guy from the 1980s and the 1990s, Carl Sagan, who would get on and said the cosmos is, the cosmos was, and the cosmos is always it, what it shall be. And that's impossible according to what we're seeing now. We're seeing the shifting of the galaxies. This is red because it's a red streak. When you look in the dark and you see a truck go by you and the red light just blazes by you you know that there's something in motion and the galaxies in every dimension, every direction in space are increasing and they're ever expanding the universe. Why? Because God said, let there be light. That light then in the background of that in John chapter eight, verse 12, Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, I am the light of the world. So what was he saying? He was saying a lot by saying that. In Jesus, we have life. In Jesus, we have not just life, but in Jesus, we have certainty. We have clarity in Jesus. We can see, we can, we can not only see, but we can know when we're in Jesus. You, can know, you can't know something without there being light. You can't even know something with certainty. Jesus saying, I'm the light of the world and I'm gonna let you be able to see and understand spiritual things invisible things, immortal things, just reality. Jesus is the ultimate reality and we can line up what we know by looking at him first. That is the true meaning of knowledge is in Christ we can know because why? Because God gave us light. God gave us light. If I told my wife in a, in a dark room and we, I couldn't see her, if I said, you're looking good and I love your dress, she would say, well, you can't even see me. Why would you say that? And so when we have light shine on something, we can know what's reality. In this world today, there's so much misinformation, disinformation, and Jesus came to clarify all that 2,000 years ago when he said, I am the light. When you look to me, then you can see everything else clearly. Everything else becomes clear. 90% of all the media outlets are owned by, in America are owned by six entities, and guess what? They all have an agenda. Social media has an agenda. Algorithms has an agenda. Netflix, uh, Netflix did a documentary called The Social Dilemma where the algorithm, the engineers, the creators of the social media stuff, they're beginning to say, this isn't working the way we thought it would. We made a Frankenstein here. And it's dividing and it's polarizing. And they know what you think. They know everything that goes in. They have that information. We're the ones being played. But Jesus comes and says, no, you're not going to be played. You're going to look at me and there's going to be clarity. There's no longer going to be confusion. You're going to have peace and, and life more abundantly because of the light that he gives us. So there's so much to be said about light. There's so much. But really, I'm really just here to celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ and the victory that he gave us on the cross. And I'm here to celebrate Pastor James' birthday. What a gift that is to end up on his birthday. It was interesting how the Lord just spoke to my wife, Lynette, and I, and she'll be here at the next service with our twin girls. And the Lord just put in my heart and said, go to Nashville.
And I wasn't, we weren't even sure why. We are commissioned on our spring break for our girls to come to Nashville and to find out later after the fact that it's your birthday. Man, what a gift that is. I'm so happy to be with you on your 29th birthday. It's just, it's just stunning. You look so good. You look so fine. You're going to shine at 29. All right. So I was here when Pastor Rice turned over this church to your leadership. And um, he's still with us as the bishop. And Pastor Rice, what a joy to have a friend in Pastor Rice. And then to be to know you, to meet you nine years ago on this stage or the stage at the old building. But nine years ago, that happened. And nine is a significant Bible number, the number of completion. There's a completion. It's divine completion. And to think how hard you guys have worked for nine years and how much as a church has just expanded. You guys have expanded. Your influence is increasing through this church. This church is an incredible, strong, muscular uh, uh, you've got, there's teeth in this church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and upon the gates of Hades, uh, upon the, ga- the gates of Hades will not be able to prevail against it. There's, there's something about you that is on the offense. You're not just playing zone defense. You're not playing back. You guys are in the game and you're gaining yardage. And when the governor starts calling your pastor, you know, that's big business right there. I hope you recognize that. That when that, these doors that are opening, it's not accidental. It's not even your effort. It's the plan of God because this light must be shining in every place, in every place. Don't just think that, that, oh, well, why is he doing that or whatever? Look, God has a message that is greater than all politics. It's greater than all denominations. It's greater than everything. God's voice from heaven and his light is shining bright from heaven, coming into our mortal beings that we might then too be that light that is ever so shining and shining in a brilliant and a beautiful way. So much to be said, but let me just get right to this. Because of Jesus' light, we have their effects of the light, and I'm gonna just deal with three of these real quickly this morning, but the effects are with us every single day. There are three effects that I just wanna focus on that are really practical in nature, really practical. And they would be summed up in the light that reveals, heals, and deals with the darkness. Reveals, heals, and deals. So the first thing is that light reveals. Light reveals. My wife Lynette tells me all the time, don't turn on the ceiling lights, turn on a lamp. Why? Because the ceiling lights reveal every dirty spot on the carpet, on the floor, and the cabinets, and everything. She says, don't do it unless you're vacuuming. Then you can see the dirt that you're going after. There's a reality in God that God is light. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Even the sun has dark spots, but God has no darkness in him whatsoever. And I just love it. When you hang around God, he's going to expose and reveal things in you and even sometimes about you. We would call that a blind spot in my family. Now we all have blind spots. And the sooner we admit that, then we can begin to process becoming more like God. We can begin to grab hold of God. And if we admit that, uh, my wife Lynette has shown to me many times that I have a blind spot with time. I don't know about you, but now I, I, Newtonian time is like very punctual and, and whatever, but, but Einsteinian time means time is relative. <laughs> and I've sort of adopted that. And that time is a little bit flowy and relative. But my wife, is, who's very perfunctory, very Germanish, you know, in her background, and I, I didn't get that. I, that's not on my chip. So if somebody says, I'll see you at 10, it's a little bit relative. 
And, and my wife has had to correct me on that and just show me that people's time is valuable and you're acting selfish when you don't show up on the right time. And so she's helped me with that. But then I was in turn, in turn helping her. And I said, you know, as we were even in our dating phase, as we were dating, she was eating a lot of fried food. Now, my wife is a health guru. She's organic everything. She's greens, five alive, the five fruits, vegetables, all that. Eat the living fruits and vegetables, stay healthy. And, and, but I noticed that she would just slip in like, you know, fried chicken, fried French fries, fried onion rings, fried okra, fried whatever, fried bananas. I mean, whatever. She was into fried food. And one day I said, you really like fried food. She said, no, no, I don't. What are you talking about? I don't dare touch. Fried food's not good for you. I said, wait a second, honey. If we go through every time we go out, you've got fried something on your table. It was an eye opener for her. Do you know when somebody loves you enough in the right context to tell you that you have a blind spot, it's actually a gift because all of us are in the dress rehearsal right here and now. One day we will face the light of God and, and, and we're either going to be comfortable with that or totally uncomfortable. Let's get ready for that big day. I have pastors in my world, pastors who are my friends, who one pastor, we, we, he gave a message and we counted it up. He had 135 amens in a 40-minute message. 135 times he said, amen, amen, amen. Isn't that just, oh, was so uncomfortable. I sat down with him. I said, pastor, and I'm not going to mention his name. He's an every nation pastor who we love and, and we care about. But he said the word amen so many times. I was like, bro, number one, we're in New York City. We're not in the South. All right, number one. Number two, amen means so be it. And you don't say so be it on so be it. You say something and then you say, then you really have a moment to say, so be it. But this guy just put it in through everything. It was just the whole message was riddled with amen. Now, last night I was in my hotel room and I had to go out to my car a couple nights ago and the girls were sleeping. And so I couldn't cut on the light because they were in that room with me and and so I was looking for my mask because I had to go through the lobby. And so anybody ever had a mask uh, failure where you couldn't find your mask? I mean, we all have, right? Aren't we going to have a jillion mask jokes a year from now? But, but I, couldn't, I couldn't find it. And after five to ten minutes of being frustrated, I thought, I've got to crack open the bathroom door so I can just begin to get some light in here and begin to see, right? And then I went and I glanced at the mirror and I saw that the mask was strapped around my chin. The joke was completely on me. Light reveals blind spots where we can't see. The beauty of being in a church, one of the many beauties of being in the church is that we really should have people who love us. And one time I walked into church and I had just shaven that morning and I had multiple blood spots. And so I put a little tissue on to stop the bleeding, you know, and I walked into church and I greeted five people and not one of them <laughs> told me how bad I looked and ridiculous with tissue being applied all over my face until finally one dude who was, was formerly an ultimate fighter said, hey man, you need to go look at yourself in a mirror. That's love. That's love. That's love. And too many of us are getting away with things. Look, I th I'm a big believer in the secret to success is get advice on everything. Everything. The little things, like get advice on where to eat, right? It's important, right? Say, I'm going to go down to that place. Well, it's got a D rating on cleanliness, a D. 
You sure you want to go there? No, I don't want to go there. Let me give, give me some advice. Where should I go? Little things. My wife's telling me in fashion, what's in, what's out. She said, skinny jeans are out. I said, when did they get in? <laughs> she knows about fashion, but then there's big things too. Relationship issues. So many things happen in darkness during COVID. We need an etch-a-sketch erase from this past year. And we need a restart, redo, come into a new reality. Let's move forward. The things that are behind us, we can forget about them, let them go. And let's just embrace the new things that God has for us. This church here is going from glory to glory. There are traps that are laid for so many people. If you do not want advice, then you do not want the light because the light is good advice. Here's the context of John 8, 12. We'll go through this really quickly. John 8, verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. They said, teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. So what do you say? Now, the first thing to think about in this is like, okay, they drug the woman out. Where's the man? <laughs> All right. That's the first thing. Well, anyway, let's move on. This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground as they continued to ask him. He stood up and said this. Let him who is without sin, the Greek word is let him who is without this particular sin. Uh-oh. Let him who is without this particular sin be, uh, uh, among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, don't you just love Jesus right here is flipping the script. Jesus is doing, even though it's exposed, Jesus' light does not shine so brightly, which it could, so it could destroy you. Jesus' light can also be warm, inviting, beautiful, lovely, helpful, a blessing, healing. That's what his light does. It reveals, and we'll get to this, but it also heals. Now, when they heard this, these men, it says, one by one, beginning with the older men, beginning with the older men, it says they went away. And Jesus was left alone with her. And he said, he said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, well, neither do I condemn you. So from now on, you go and you sin no more. And isn't that the beauty of the balance of the gospel right there? The gospel doesn't leave us in our condition. The gospel changes us. But thank God, the gospel never condemns us. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God has no condemnation to give. There is no condemnation in God, so there should be no condemnation in the church of Jesus. We're all about redemption. We're all about restoration. We're all about restoring the bruised, the broken, the battered, the beaten, and the sinful. All about it. It's what we do. And it begins with the light. And in that context, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. The catchers, the judges, the haters, they all were there to play gotcha, Jesus. I gotcha. They played that game with Jesus all the time. What they're forgetting is the same law that they're bringing out against her. The law is also condemning them. 
The law is condemning them. You take the moral commands of God that are with us forever, the Ten Commandments. They're not going anywhere. What is the point of the law? The law is the tutor that leads us to grace by first giving us the diagnosis. Like, for example, coveting. Anybody ever hear coveted? Coveted. You see somebody, your friend drives up in a brand new car and it's exactly the car you've been praying for and they own it. And you begin to covet that. Like, Lord, you sure you gave it to them, not to me? They're coveting. People, the scripture, the Ten Commandments talks about you don't covet your friend's wife. You don't lust after somebody else's wife. It's very, you know, like one guy told me, he said, I'm not lusting. I'm just, and this is terrible. He said, like, I'm just, I'm just checking out God's creation is what he said. How many of y'all know that's wrong? Come on. We know that, right? What about lying? What about lying? I, 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 I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you, but I, I lied to my wife one time a few months ago. She said, are you coming home? I said, I'm on the way. I just stood up. I wasn't in the car yet. I was in my office. She said, are you on the way? And I stood up and I walked toward the door. I said, yeah, baby, I'm on the way. How many of y'all know that's wrong? How many of you have lied in the last few years? Have, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Now, 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 just look at the people sitting beside you who did not raise their hand and just say, you're a liar. All right? Now, let's get this straight, all right? Let's get it straight. We all have done it. Sure, it was well-meaning. I, I went home and told my wife, I said, honey, I got to be honest with you, I lied. Now, the whole idea of these moments like this is we've got to catch these things when they're small. We've got to confess our faults and our blind spots right now so that later we're not confessing our sins out there to the public world. How many would be rather dealt with by God alone than on a public platform where it's too late? You're over the, come on. God's bringing some of you back. He's bringing you back into the light because he loves you, he cares about you, and he's got a plan for your life. Which brings me to the second point, and that is God heals. This is one of the most powerful things, how light is healing. Light heals. Of all the commands of Jesus, take all the commands, and I've, as an early Christian, I looked at all, the, I wrote out every command that Jesus gave. Because to me, as a new believer, I just wanted to be obedient. And so I write them, wrote them all down. Okay, I'm going to give you the top three. The, number, the third from the top is do not fear. That's an awesome command, isn't it? Don't fear. You begin to think like, what, what would be the most used words? It would be something like, you got to, you know, give all your money away or you got to whatever. And, and the first is, the, number three is don't fear. Num the second top most used command from Jesus is believe. Believe. That's awesome, isn't it? But you know what the number one most used command of Jesus is to be healed. Be healed. Be healed, church. Be healed. Spirit soul and body. There's something that affects people when they live in dark rooms. It's called SAD, seasonal affective disorder. And what's the cure for that? This is a real issue, seasonal affective disorder. The, the, cure, the only cure for this is light. They say, you got to get out. You've got to get out to break your depression. And can I just say to those of you who have been depressed through this COVID season, depression is not a sin. But depression is something that we have to work on. 
I've had bad days. I've had bad weeks. I've had bad months. I've had one season of six months of what I felt was depression. And I began to realize that I, you know, there's a book that used to come out. It was called, uh, I'm okay, you're okay. And I was just thinking, no, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. But that's okay because Jesus is always okay. Jesus is always, he's that one constant in our lives. He will always be there for you. When you get up in the morning, he's right there. When you get up, when you go to bed in the evening, he's right there. He counts your tears. He counts your hairs. He's never far away. He's always a whisper away. Jesus is our faithful friend. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he's a healing savior. We must come to the Lord for healing. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 says, the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that we might know what is the hope of his calling, and that, we, we, that our, the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened, that we might know the hope of his calling. Light reveals healing. Light reveals truth. Light brings that forth. I was thinking of the Passover is coming up, and I've got to be brief here, but the Passover is coming up. So I just mentioned three things in every Passover Seder. Number one is the bread. The bread has to be three things, unleavened, bruised, and striped. I don't know if that rings a bell for you, but Jesus is our, that unleavened Passover lamb with no sin. There's no sin in him. Jesus was striped. Jesus was bruised. Jesus was beaten. And then the second aspect is not just the bread, but and, and, and that's a great, that's an important image of Jesus because he was striped, he was bruised, he was broken. The second is the cup. And there are four cups in every Passover ceremony. The first is the cup of deliverance or the cup of, of God saying, I'll get you out of Egypt. The second cup in the, in the meal is to celebrate our, our freedom or our deliverance, our freedom and deliverance. And the third cup is the cup of redemption. That's the cup that Jesus drank out of at the Passover, the last supper. Jesus took that cup and he said, this is the cup of redemption. But then there's another thing that's hard to get a hold of sometimes, and that is the, what's called the afikoman. In a Passover ceremony, there's this one part where the Jewish people will take three matzahs, they'll put them in three different napkins, and then they'll take one, two, three, they'll take the one in the middle, I believe it's representative of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The one in the middle, they take it, they break it, and then they hide it. The afikoman means it's gonna come back. It'll come back in a little bit. That's what it means. It's going to come back later. It's going to come back in a little bit. And then at a certain point of the Passover meal, they send the kids out because they hide that middle afikoman. They hide it. The kids run and find it. And then they celebrate. They open it up and they give each other that piece of bread as a treat. And then they get gifts on top of that. It's a beautiful story of the resurrection of Jesus. The whole Passover points to Jesus. So why is it, I'm a Jewish background, why is it that it's so hard to see? It's because God is going to, has to remove the veil from their eyes that they might see their Messiah, that they might see their Savior. And God must remove certain veils and blinders off of the Christian church as well, that we can see the love of God, that we can act like more like Jesus, that we can break down our walls of division, that we can overcome racial things and stereotypes and bias and prejudice and everything and just be the people of God. Light heals, light restores, light dignifies. It does all of these things. And we're so thankful for the light of God. So I'll get you, I'll get to the third part of this. And that is light deals with darkness. Light deals with darkness. 
as the scripture says in Ephesians 5 8, you once were darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. We're so thankful for Bethel. We're so thankful that you're out confronting darkness. You're confronting evil. You're confronting things. And you're bringing the light of God. You have this history of your influence here around the world. I mean, to have an apostle, an overseer like Pastor Rice Brooks is, what a gift that is. We just don't even realize that the universe is expanding through this man too. (laughs) Expanding and pushing the frontiers and the barriers and staying true on mission and true to his calling, someone we can be proud of. And we're just so thankful for Pastor James and Debbie and the staff and the team here. The work that you're doing, it's known about all over the country. It's known. We're celebrating that. And we're celebrating you as part of the solution. You're a bright light. You're a bright, shining light. But you say, I don't feel that way. I just feel unknown, unnamed, whatever. Look at this in Psalm 13 as we're beginning to close right here. Psalm 13 Verse 1 to 3, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? You ever felt that way? Come on. I have. How long, Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And I know some of you feel that way. But here's the turning part is verse 3. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I see death, the sleep of death. God is saying, when we come to God in those weak, vulnerable times and vulnerable moments, and we pour our heart out, God can handle your complaint. He can handle it. And Psalm 13 starts with a pout, but it ends with a shout. Because God opened the psalmist's eyes where he could see more clearly what God is up to and what God is doing. Some of you have not lived long enough to know that God still has a good plan for you. Even though you're in a valley, you're not stuck in that valley. You're walking through that valley. You may be in the valley of weeping for a nighttime, but joy comes in the morning. Joy and deliverance is on the way. But why? Because your Savior Jesus drank from the cup of redemption and something good is going to happen for you, to you, and through you. There's a girl named Jyoti, and I'm, this is, this is, I'll just stop here. There's a girl named Jyoti in Nepal, and she was being trafficked from Nepal into India and victimized. She was walking two hours a day to go get water. Now, now when you hear these true stories around the world, it really puts perspective, and you realize, you know, our American problem, man, my air conditioner's broke. I'm going through it. My heater's broke. I'm going through it. This is really going through it. You're walking two hours every day to get water. And in the process, you get trafficked. You get victimized. You get battered. You get broken. And you become a victim. And then, fortunately, right on the border, instead of going into the neighboring nation of India, someone spotted her and she looked suspicious. They pulled her aside. They talked to her. Indeed, they found out she was being trafficked. And she had already been violated. So they put her in a safe house. It turns out it's in a friend, my friend, Ramesh, in Nepal. They put her in his safe house, and he led her to Christ because she's from a, a village of four or 5,000 people with no churches, no Bible, no Christians. So she gets to know the Lord, and one day she's healed enough. She said, I would love to go back to my village, but I just don't know what to do. I said, what should I do? I'm full of shame. 
I don't want to go back there. Remarkably, this sweet woman eventually got the faith to go back there. But the Ramesh guy, her spiritual dad, happened to be in the lobby five years ago of my church in North Carolina, and I met with him there. Every time he's in the States, he's, his family's from that area over there in, in North Carolina, and he comes to our church. Met with him in the lobby. I said, what's going on? He told me about this girl, and he said, we need a business for her. I said, what can we do? We have a fund, the Jordan Lewis Mission Fund. Maybe we can help. It's designated for the unengaged and unreached. He said, well, maybe you could buy some sewing machines. I said, great. How many? He said, four. How much is that? He said, about $500. I said, no, no, no. Let's do something better than that. What kind of business? He said, maybe some goats. What would that cost? Well, about $2,000. I said, come on, let's do something big. What is the greatest need? He said, they need water because they have to walk two hours a day, and that's her being trafficked. I said, let's give her a well. We gave him $5,000. They built a well. She goes back. Now she is at the top of the economic chain in her village. She goes out one way and comes back another. She comes back. That woman then starts the first church in her village. We just got an update this about a week ago, about five days ago. This girl is not only healed, but 70% of her village is born again now, 70%. There are roads going into that village. There are not just one water well, but tons of water tanks in that village. And they are serving Jesus and they've lit a fire on that village. And then she also started a micro lending group where there are now 1,100 women who give 25 cents every month into the kitty so they can launch more businesses. They've had 87 businesses birth through this group of 1,100 women, and it's now registered in the bank of Nepal as micro lenders, a micro bank in Nepal. Now, what does this mean? What, is it, what am I saying here? In that lobby, at that safe house, one little split moment where light just shines. Light begins as a pinhole. It's our job to steward it and let more light come in. There's more light coming to your city. There's more light coming to your family. Let the light in. Let it. Don't make it. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. In Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a praise. He is the light of the world shining ever so brightly. Lord, we thank you right now. We thank you for your grace on this church, your hand. Lord, I believe for nine more great years. Strengthen Pastor James, Pastor Debbie, the team. Strengthen this church family. I pray for every household. I pray, pray for every single. I pray for every child. Let their destiny be kept and preserved. Lord, unlike Jyoti, may they be protected, may, even from the beginning. And Lord, let us not come to you out of crisis. Let us come to you out of a sense of light and revelation. We've seen the matzah bread. We know that's you. We've seen the cup of redemption. We know that's you. We've seen the historical reality that Jesus, you are risen from the dead. We fall on our knees. We give you the glory and we thank you for who you are and what you're up to. Father, bless every person here. Let the light begin to come on in you today. Jesus is at the door of your heart. Let him in. Say, come in, Jesus. I want the light to expose that darkness. Let the light of that laser light beam burn it out right now. The Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, he will burn up the chafe. He will burn it up, Jesus said. He will burn it up and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you. Right now, I believe there's something supernatural going on in some of you. You might even feel a burning in your heart. You might feel a burning. You might feel that God is upon you right now. 
His glory has come, already been resting in this church. And there's more coming. There's more on the way. Let the darkness out. Let it flee. Let it flee. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, as said the great one, Dr. King. But only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Let the Lord be with you. Keep you. Make his face shine upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Ron, that is the best message I've heard all year. No, no, that was, that was incredible. That was incredible. Marriage my one of my best friends, my favorite. Right now, you're my favorite preacher. I have upgraded you above all other preachers. That was incredible. That was incredible. That was incredible. Like, it, absolutely incredible. Well, it's, I don't want to add a takeaway from the word, but I'll just say, Maybe you, you've heard something that requires you have somebody stand with you in prayer. It's okay. He said volumes of things. And maybe you need someone to stand with you in friendship, partnership. So you come completely out of darkness into light. Maybe you need to testify something happened on the inside of you. So we'll be down here as a few group of ministers that can minister life to you. And then if you're new to Bethel, I would like to meet you over at guest reception my left, your right. Um, God bless you on your way out. Enjoy uh, the cookies uh, we have to give to you. I want to celebrate my birthday with you. So enjoy it in the lobby. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we honor you. Bless us as we leave this place, but not your presence. Keep us in the center of your will and as the apple of your eye. And we'll give you praise for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a round of applause. We love you online. God bless you. You are dismissed.